0: red eye all one word for 15 percent off your stay at motel6.com that's a great deal and that's just something i've noticed brought to you by motel 6
1: now it's red eye radio gary mcnamara and eric harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio.
0: Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Back from our big Black Friday weekend (laughs) celebration. Wow. And in the Cyber Monday, uh, we just want everybody to know, if you haven't downloaded the uh, Red Eye Radio app, all day today, it's free to do so. <laughs> Cyber Monday, all now it will still be free tomorrow. It was free yesterday. It's always been free, but on Cyber Monday,
2: it's free. <laughs> Gary, how are you? Welcome I'm doing you. really good. Good to be back. How was your trip? Uh, was uh, interesting. I mean, I well, was re- I almost really called good. you. I almost
0: sent you a text message, and I thought. He's probably getting hammered with, not drinking, I mean, with text messages (laughs) bombarded. (laughs) I've got to be careful how I phrase things these days. Sometimes just say things, you know. Uh, But I I, I thought to myself, you're probably getting bombarded by text messages with the whole thing, um, you know, with the Niagara Crossing and the car exploding and the, Misinformation by conservative news groups.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, you know, Ted
2: Ted Cruz. You not only said, "Oh, you know, it's terrorism," but talked about what we need to do to stop things like this. Mm. And he never, he didn't delete the tweet. It was oh, still he left, never deleted the tweet. Never deleted. Well, or this, post this,
0: on X. Sorry, post on
2: X. What yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> you said it, tweet, they, which the, is what oh, we I'm all sorry. say. Yeah. Uh, the, and, and he never, he never deleted it. He just yeah. got pounded, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, for that. And just to let you know what was going on, I was getting ready to go get hammered. I'm mm. kidding. <laughs> <So> I'm, <laughs> no, but I mean, when you said that I laughed because <laughs> I was actually meeting, uh, my best friend, Jeff, who I've known since, you know, probably eight years old, Right. I'm guessing, mm. uh, and his lovely wife, Holly, Hmm. Uh, uh, we were meeting at a pizza place, mm. so I did have a beer. Yeah, and oh, in, all right. And for me, that's cool. being hammered. Right, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> did, you, did you
2: have a, an entire beer, a grown-up beer? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a light beer. <laughs> Darn it. Uh, but what happened was I had my, my uh, uh, I was dropping my great-nephew off for basketball. It was really a tragic thing. His uh, The basketball coach over the entire program uh, that he is in at the high school he's in died. Oh, man. Age 43 at, like, oh. uh, on... Um, and this would have been on Monday. He was told Tuesday. So before I took off mm. to go to Buffalo, uh, my nephew called me with my great ne- nephew in the car and told me about it. And so uh, I, you know, we hung out on Wednesday, and then after we d- were done hung- hanging out and doing the whole breakfast thing with my dad and all that, yeah, uh, you know, I dropped him off. And just as I dropped him off, and we were talking, so... And I said, "Well, let me turn on the radio. Let me turn let me turn to the station that I used to work, you know, at in Buffalo, see mm-hmm. what's uh, going on." And mm-hmm. I looked and I went, "Oh, okay. David Bellavia, who is the Medal of Honor winner. If you remember a couple of years ago, hmm. uh, he was a Medal of Honor winner uh, from uh, from Iraq for what he uh, he did. And as I've said before, his 2-hour, oh, I can't think of the name of the Navy SEAL. Oh, I think it's Jocko Hmm. I can't think of it, but the his uh, not two hour his like five hour interview podcast yeah. uh, is is probably as I said before on what it what it takes to be an American soldier Jocko Wilmick? Jocko yes Jocko yeah. Wilmick, yep mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that that Bellavia did I think it's probably a year year and a half ago when his second book uh, when his book came out was just. It is, to me, it is required listening for anybody who is an American citizen just to know what soldiers go through and, and what their their mindset is. It is, to me, the most in-depth, uh, uh, I think, uh, in-depth observation of the mind of an American warrior. Hmm. That's I think that's how I, roughly how I put it when we talked about it a year and a half ago. Well, he actually does my old slot at the station I used to work at. Mm. They're WBEN in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. He's got my my old shift. Mm. And and so when I turned it on, I'm like, what are they talking about? You know, something about it. And he's, and he's talking about the fact he goes, I don't know. I don't think it was a car bomb. He said, I've seen car bombs, which, of course, you know, he got his Medal of Honor mm. in Fallujah. Mm -hmm. So I've seen car bombs He goes, that's not how a car bomb looks. Right. And he kept saying, he goes, now, look, I'm, I'm limited from the information of what I see, you know, from, you know, the, the debris field, Mm. but it's not shrapnel. Mm. He goes, you, you would see if it was a car bomb that was attempting, because that one of the things that they were talking about is the car bomb was trying to go over the, uh, the, the rainbow bridge. And I've been over many, many times in, in, in my life. Mm. uh, And that, that, the thing was, well, it wasn't just because you're you're wondering, you know, why was you know what would have been the purpose of a terrorist? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the thoughts is well, you drive it to the middle of the bridge where it's weakest and you blow off a car bomb hoping to take down the bridge. Right. One right. of the things that they were talking about, and he said, right. he, and and uh, he and and so uh, he was just saying, he goes, I I don't I don't see the evidence mm. of a car bomb from the limited photos that I see, but I know mm. what a car bomb looks like.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I said, I know what the I know what the debris field looks like, right? and you don't see the big parts like you did if that thing was loaded with whatever explosives you were going to load it with, mm. if that was your purpose. And as I found out later on, it was a couple from Grand Island, which is right near Niagara Falls, that were apparently going to go to a KISS concert that was mm. canceled right. somewhere in Ontario. Yeah. And I, don't know st- I still don't know the exact route of what they took, because right. it was like they were at the casino... And then Mm. they went to cross the bridge and I don't know whether they had gotten onto the bridge because there were reports that they got on the bridge and made a U-turn and go back Mm. the other way. And that's Mm. when, or, uh, or, or I don't know if that happened because then that story seemed to be disappear and they just said ran into the, the, the basically a barrier, the first barrier before you get to, well, what are you getting to? Is it the, American customs which is on you know the side coming into uh, the United States Mm. it's not on the side going across that would be Canadian customs at the other side so I'm still not exactly sure what happened there but he had stated that uh, you know no it was not and then you had Fox News coming out and stating the fact and everybody was on Fox you know saying Fox News is saying Fox News is saying their sources are saying that you know it's you know it was a car bomb, mm-hmm. and that's why everybody jumped on afterwards mm-hmm. whether their sources were wrong, yeah, yeah, their sources were completely wrong and and I just I go back to the whole you know Brett bear thing mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. back when and I know you know people say, yeah, but the other media doesn't excuse it, no does doesn't no. matter what the other media does. It's like, you know, and we get that all the time. Well, if they lie, we lie. No, we tell the truth because we can win with the truth. They have to lie.
0: Well, because if you have in a situation like this, if you have a contributor that says, wow, this really looks like a car bomb and you put them on and they do what, you know, Bella did and just say, look, I'm not there. I can't see it. But here are the things I see and I don't see. That's one thing. But if your source is telling you, wow, this is a terror attack, well, then that tells me That you've done your due diligence to make sure that that source has enough of a connection that they're getting word from somebody who actually knows or is very, very certain, to a certain extent at least, that this was a terror attack. You can't build out your sources and then just blindly trust them and go on with something like this, especially right now everybody there's a there's a a, a, a a right now in this nation all over the world because of october 7th there's a heightened awareness and people react to that when you see things especially on a holiday weekend when you're reporting something and people are distracted by a number of other things they're looking at that and they may see it and not see the update to the story later, you have a tremendous responsibility, and you and I take that very seriously here, as to how you report certain things. And I just don't know how you get burned on something like that without there just being—I—I I, I don't know what happened. You know, I, I can't I, explain yeah. going no, on with gonna. something like that, saying, you know, look, our sources tell this, tell us this was a terror attack. That—that that to me, that is such a leap. You've got to be so certain in your sources, because if it's not somebody at the State Department, if it's not somebody at the FBI active, not former, not a contributor to your news organization, somebody who is intimately familiar with something that was known about this incident, then you
2: don't go on the air with it. Well, number one, I need an FBI official that I have a history with. As one source. Right. Then I would need another source, which would be another FBI official who is familiar with what the agents are saying on the ground. Right. When the agent says on the ground and they they can tell pretty quickly. It's like even a, you know, a a bomb in an airplane. If there's if there is the uh, if the, the plane is there, they can tell very quickly that it was a bomb. Right. And I'm sure they could hear, too and so unless i know cuz i've always had the thing you need two you need two sources and if it's something like this two sources that you have a history with i i was a station manager uh, of a, a new station that had a uh, very uh, aggressive you know investigative you know investigative group mm-hmm. there with them mm-hmm. and so we did sources and my my edict was always to the the news director who agreed with me you can never be wrong mm-hmm. you use sources you can't be wrong right i don't care about being first i care about being right
0: and if you're not certain if you're not on sure footing it doesn't go on the air
2: doesn't go on the air no because you can you can say you know uh we you know we have sources that believe uh that this mirrors other attacks right But to sit there and say,
0: this is what it looks like, this is what I see, it's it's exactly what Bellavita did. Look, here's what I see and what I don't see. And I can't know because I'm not there. But based on my experience, here are the things I would be looking for. That's that's very clear uh, and understandable and I think responsible way of presenting because... Like us, he's not a reporter, and he's also not there. He's not right. a journalist. Right. When you and I cover breaking news, we report what others are reporting or what the authorities are saying when they say it.
2: Well, because I was getting pounded because everybody knew I was there. Mm-hmm. I actually put on on Twitter, I said, you know, here is this, the and I don't remember which Fox story it was. Mm. I don't know if one said it was. And I simply put, I don't have any information Except when I'm hearing in the national media, right. and I did right. but I didn't have right. any. You know, I had the. You know, I, I had that one snippet. You know, the from again from from David Bellavia, the uh, Medal of Honor, the Medal of Honor recipient. Mm-hmm. I always say winner mm-hmm. recipient. Right, because you don't win that. You're a recipient. It's mm-hmm. not like a victory. It's right. Um, and uh, so I think I said winner before. I, my apologies. No disrespect intended. If you know. How I feel about the military, you know, there was no disrespect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when, um, but he wasn't there. You know, he was saying, like I said, he's saying from my limited information, right? You know, and I right. and I brought, and then when, it, then when, but then when they said the governor was flying in from Albany, the capital, you went, ooh, maybe this does have credibility because would the governor come? you know, not knowing, or would she wait? until the FBI said, this is what it is. Right. Well, she came in, right. and when she came in, it was to announce that there was, well, when she actually spoke, it was, there's no evidence of terrorism at all. Mm. And then everybody started pounding on Fox. Everyone. I mean, mm-hmm. it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm sorry. I, I know, we know that the mainstream media, We've talked about this before, political activists, they lie all the time. Oh, yeah. On the left, you can do it. It doesn't mean you excuse it on the right. Well, we can
0: go down the entire list of uh, of items that you and I have seen and experienced in the liberal media on incidents that we've covered, you know. And again, like Bellavia, we're we're observers, we're on the air, we're not reporters, and we don't have reporters there quite often uh, sometimes we have access to reporters who are there if there's breaking news and then they have to tell us what they're seeing. When you look at things where the liberal media has just gone really out of the way out of their way to try and be first and I remember Brian Ross from ABC on the uh, the, the shooting in Aurora, Colorado saying there was a man of the same name that was associated with a local tea party or something to that extent. And it wasn't that person. Well, that becomes a doxing type effect. Because they did their investigation, but it wasn't thorough. They didn't confirm that that's the, the same person who police say at that time was responsible for that mass shooting in Aurora. There's no reason to do that. None. No, there's none. When when you know for sure, or you can say, authorities, tell me, this is it. And you have word from authorities, that's one thing. Otherwise, it's tremendously
2: irresponsible. 866-90-RED-EYE.
3: This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Cold temperatures and water can lead to only one outcome and ice has no place in the truck's air system. That's why it's crucial to keep your air system moisture free as the temperatures begin to drop. Make sure your air system is in top condition before temperatures put it to the test. In addition to changing your air dryer desiccant cartridge and draining your air tanks, make sure that no alterations have been made to the air compressor discharge line. This can dramatically increase the amount of moisture in the air system. Lastly, have a professional technician check the condition of your air dryer heater, purge valve, and check valve.
1: We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
0: for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6.
4: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about...
2: It's Red Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, but uh, that was uh, because as I I was in driving to to meet my friends at the the pizza place and, you know, just listening all the way uh, uh, in there, and then by the time I got there, that's all everybody was talking about at the pizza place. Uh, it seemed, you know, it was that, and they, they actually said, you know, people came in going, turn off the basket, you know, basketball games or whatever college basketball games going Mm. on, whatever it's Mm. like, we don't care, you know, turn this on. And so you're, you're looking going, okay, the governor's coming in from New York. Maybe it is a bomb. And then, then it came out, somebody yelled across. They said, they closed the airport. And I went, what? They closed the airport. Mm. And, uh, and then uh, I, I looked it up and said, no, they've closed it to all international flights. And then I went, Wait a minute there are no international flights into Buffalo <laughs> nothing comes in everything comes from a hub huh. you know and so I went they must mean private okay they must right. mean private or charter because there are no commercial flights into uh, in into Buffalo they don't nobody from Buffalo flies into Canada right yeah you know if you wanted if you, want, if you want to go to Toronto you'd have to go from Buffalo to Chicago or Buffalo to Dallas mm-hmm. <laughs> then to uh uh, Than to Toronto, so mm. I'm like, okay. Well, they kept promoting that. I'm like, well, why do they keep promoting? There's no inter no international flights. They go, well, there aren't none to begin with. So I went, okay, they must be private or charter, but they didn't say that. But it was just a massive amount of of uh, again speculation as what happens, and that really gets you nowhere.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, it's it, especially on a Thanksgiving weekend. Again, everybody is in this heightened awareness. And then you add October 7th to the mix, and it becomes especially Mm -hmm. concerning.
1: Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America studios,
2: and he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, it was a uh, uh, interesting weekend. Just uh, tons of stuff to uh, to talk about, but I mm. uh, figured that uh, people would want to know because, like I said, just because you're, you know, I was I was 15 miles away when I from from where that. Uh, uh, car hit the barrier of the Rainbow Bridge, yeah. and people just assume you know more. It's like, no, I don't know. <laughs> I I didn't know anymore. But uh, what a what a tragic story. Yeah, uh, that is still not all the information uh, on that. But uh, uh, mid fifties couple. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so don't know what type of, uh, you know, they were killed instantly, and yeah. you know, probably autopsy should be able to tell you what exactly. Uh, uh, you know, happened there. But mm. all in all was a uh, interesting, it was a great weekend. I mean, other than, uh, than that dad was doing great mm. Good. Um, after getting his, uh, his pacemaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, uh, that was uh, a, a lot of fun. I did watch, well, part of a second football game of the year, which was of course, Thanksgiving afternoon in the Cowboys game, which meant when Dolly Parton came on mm. in the outfit that she was wearing, just, I saw still shots. I didn't watch the game, yeah. so I will just yeah. tell you what the women's, because it was like, oh, how wonderful she looks. By the way, she has not been shy at all about the fact that uh, you might want to call her the $6 million woman or the bionic woman.
0: Oh, no, she's been very open about it over the years. She says, he, if yes, you can afford it, get it done.
2: Yes, so it was like, oh, she looks wonderful. It was mm. like, hey. I just saw it and I went what (laughs) but i didn't it was all the women in the room i wouldn't have even paid attention to it we were talking doing something else and someone heard it and and uh one of the uh, women in my family said Uh. dolly parton dolly parton's on and they they all just all the women come on how much work has she had done i mean (laughs) all of it (laughs) (laughs) multiple times That would be her answer, by the way. Yes, it would be. And it was. Just, yeah. I mean, and then and the shorter list is what has she not had done? And then the thing is, the fascinating thing is to go on social media because then mm. I wasn't really paying attention, and then I saw their reaction, and I went, "Oh, what's social media going to be like on this one?"
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That's where I think I didn't. I probably didn't even see a story on it until. Saturday, I wasn't really looking, I wasn't really oh. looking for a story, but it just came up in, in a news feed. Um, I, on Thursday, we didn't, the kids were watching Elf, the movie Elf, while we were cooking. And that's pretty much mm-hmm. the only thing I remember being on, except for some Christmas music being played over the TV. It's a, pr-
2: it a pretty big audience. I think it was like 45 million people watch that game, yeah. which is huge Yeah, for a, uh, you know, for a Thanksgiving. And that isn't the, pri- wasn't the primetime game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for a, uh, for the amount that the Cowboys won by, mm. that was an impressive audience of, of uh, of 45 million. But I just, I didn't watch really much of it. I got, was in discussions and stuff like that. But the, it was on in the background. Yeah. The, uh, my right. nephew and I think my great nephew and mm. took over control of the TV in that room. Mm. Uh, and uh, the only other thing I have to say is it was another year sitting at the kids table. All right. So. I had an interesting flight in. Yeah. Fascinating flight in. Uh, sat next to a a, a gentleman. I thought he was probably in his 30s, but he was like 49 years old. Mm. Good guy, mm-hmm. and we got into a discussion. I forgot why. Just when he, I can't remember what it was when he just sat down, but something got the conversation going, and he just said, "He and he and he just." Uh, we we started talking. He just said, "Well, he goes, I love talking everything except sports and politics." <laughs> and well, th- then he says, "What do you do?" <laughs>
0: It's like, oh my I'm a political sports announcer <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's
2: like, oh my gosh <laughs> and my hobby is to talk <laughs> political sports now it it was I will tell you this it was a great conversation because the flight went by like this mm-hmm. I mean it was when you get into that kind of a conversation which is very rare for me on a plane yeah but when we started talking he said I'm a liberal from California. All right. And there it went. And at the end of it, he even admitted, well, I'm not really liberal. I'm a fiscal conservative because he was talking. I said, well, we agree on this. We agree on this. We agree on this. We agree on this. But he just hates Trump. Probably agrees more on the issues with Trump than he does any Democrat. And the thing that he was trying to defend were the indefensible things, mm. the cultural war things. Right. For example, you know, the whole transgender movement. He goes, well, why can't you, you know, you know, in fact, when I started bringing it up, he goes, well, we've got bigger problems. Why do conservatives always bring it up when we've got China as a problem? Like, well, there are a thousand issues out there. You know, when you argue that way, when you argue that way, uh, you know, it shows that you don't wish to discuss that particular issue Mm -hmm. because what you don't believe your position is that strong. And he goes, and everything I said, he goes, well, I know what you mean, but, you know, can't we find a way? And then we got into Trump and Biden. And I started going through Russia collusion and going through point by point by point the Hillary thing, the money being funneled to Perkins Coie, and then going to Fusion GPS and everything else. Mm. And you know what he told me? Mm. I didn't hear that. I don't know where you're really getting your information from on that. Yeah, that's that, still the
0: case with yeah millions and millions yeah. and millions of Americans. Right.
2: I I didn't I, I haven't heard that at all. And I went yeah. through the different enterprises that Hillary set up. He said I didn't I you know mm-hmm. I don't know where you got that. And I you know I'm not accusing you of not telling the truth, but I just I haven't seen that anywhere. And I go well, you need to check it out because. I don't give an opinion. That's my observation. You know, I'll give you an I'll give you an opinion, but what was done there is not an opinion, right? And it's not being debated, and it isn't being argued, even by Hillary. Right. Hillary's not denying any of it. He goes, oh, "Okay, I'll have to look into it." Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, by the end of it, I said, "This is somebody." If it wasn't for personalities, because when I said Trump is a moderate and went through all the issues, went, oh, oh, and I said, let's go through, let's go through Biden, the Democrats and everything I brought up, he couldn't defend anything on the cultural issues at all, mm. except to say, well, you know, there are, there are bigger, one was there are bigger issues out there. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, but conservatives didn't bring it up. Liberals did. Right. Because that was one of the arguments too. Right. Well, you know, I don't know why the the right is always so, you know, always wanting Well, they didn't bring it up. The Democrats did. But he didn't have an argument for anything. As I said, your only argument is you don't know. And so you're suspicious because I told you I'm a conservative. You're suspicious of me on the facts but you don't really know what the facts are. And he admitted, you're right, I don't. But I went there and said, that's what you're dealing with right now in the United States. That's a kind of independent on the issues that agrees on the fiscal issues and everything else, really, really agrees uh, with the conservative viewpoint. He hates the personalities. And And so if you don't know, if you don't believe it exists, it exists. Oh yeah, well, and
0: and you and I have, have been pointing that out, but it's that goes beyond anecdotal. you You see it show up in the polls. It shapes the polls. and it's been shaping the polls, by the way, for a long time. We talked about the Iran deal when Trump first came into office. Was it right that Obama the poll? Was it right that Obama did the Iran deal? Well, no. Should Congress do the Iran deal? Yeah, it should be left to Congress. Is it okay that Trump wants to send it? No, no, no. And he wanted to send it to Congress. No, that's not okay. Right. Well, wait a minute. You just said Congress. And there were a number of people in that poll that changed their mind but didn't want Trump sending it to Congress, by the way, which would have meant out of Trump's
2: hands until they deal with it. You still can't get there. When we talked about, because he seemed to be focused when I brought up the the liberal transgender activist movement, I said, it's not that I don't have compassion for it. I got compassion for everybody out there that's that's having trouble with their, their lives. It's the fact that the Democrats... And I said, the vote in Congress on the equity bill showed you what they wanted to do. The Republicans stopped it in the Senate, but it would have passed. Mm -hmm. Said Democrats were 99.9% for the equity bill, which would have men compete against women. Mm -hmm. If you believe that insanity and you're willing to promote that, what other lies are you willing to sell as somebody on the left? And we tried to, I tried to move away from Democrat versus Republican versus liberal versus conservative, which he didn't mind at all. All right yeah he thought that was you know he thought was you know let's take the personalities out of it let's talk the actual uh you know uh, the actual issues uh there and he didn't like i said he didn't didn't disagree on any of those he just his argument was more on the on the seriousness of how it might affect society and he said well they want to they they want to ban books. I go, excuse me. They don't want to ban books. Adults aren't being banned. Do you understand? He didn't really understand the trans, the the uh, the 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 uh, radical transgender movement in Florida and what DeSantis was going through. He had no idea. DeSantis wants to ban these books. No, he wants age-appropriate content. And the incredible thing was, he said, "Well, I don't know what's wrong with being uh, gay." And I go, "This wasn't about being gay. It was about teaching five, six, and seven-year-olds." Five, six, and seven year olds that you can, if you're a boy, you can be a female if you wish to. Right. And most people believe that's entirely inappropriate. Well, they're going to find out sooner or later. Well, then you're telling me it's okay to tell a five year old? You're, as a parent, you would want, well, I don't know if I'd necessarily, I mean, totally wishy washy on that completely. And I said, you got to be kidding me. You're not talking about adults. They're not banning, and they weren't banning from high school and college books. We're talking five, six, and seven year olds, mm-hmm. and he wasn't. It was really fascinating. He was trying to defend it by saying, "Well, we're just trying to let kids know what's out, you know, what's out there." I go, "But we don't do that. We don't teach five year old kids everything that's out there." No, you know, they're not sexual. They're not sexual at five six and seven years old they're just trying to get through life on instinct i remember
0: being 15 taking driver's ed at school had to show up before school they wouldn't let the coach that was teaching it show pictures from accidents that was part of a curriculum out from outside the school that he actually brought into that you know, he could teach everything else. He couldn't show us the slideshow of the accidents that had occurred, and oh, that was part of.
2: You mean the, the bodies, in, bodies in the car? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. couldn't yes. do that. Yeah, because it's because it's age appropriate. You don't, right. don't. And for some reason, he just wanted to stick. I said, "You're really going to stick to this line of defense in, in in a way." Well, I'm not saying it's completely correct, but I'm saying I go. Well, first we started that DeSantis is banning books, and then we got to the specifics of its five you know, five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds that we were talking about Mm -hmm. here that Mm -hmm. Disney was promoting it. Mm -hmm. And then he just said, he said, well, you know, uh, I think the gay, I go, let's forget about it. There's a whole group called Gays Against Groomers. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Where even people that are gay look at it and go, no, this is just too much. Well,
0: when concerned parents showed up at school board meetings, and read verbatim
2: from those books they were shut down not only, because it was inappropriate that was on WFLA uh, mm-hmm. in Tampa mm-hmm. and I told them the Tampa the Tampa yeah. TV station that the uh, that they stopped it because it was inappropriate go, well that shows you how conservative I go no 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 they're not conservative they were worried about violating the obscenity clause of the Federal Communications Commission right and he's like well... Uh, and
0: in know. person right the school board didn't want those concerned parents reading out right. out loud just in the room. Yeah.
2: I think it was WFLA in Tampa. Remember mm-hmm. they were doing yeah. the report and they were like right. they had a cut they had a cut from it. Right. Go sports. 8 90 Red Eye
1: coming up more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
2: It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the top of uh, the hour, new study out there. Blue states pay more than red states for uh, electricity. Mm. Duh. Mm. And uh, the hostage release here Mm -hmm. and uh, what's going on and just still some unbelievable moments coming from this administration. Just Mm mind-boggling.
3: Out of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit houseproducts.com.
1: This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, Welcome to the show from the Uniden, America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio.
2: All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Hope you had just a wonderful Thanksgiving, long Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully it was a long Thanksgiving weekend. (laughs) Some people probably had to work Friday.
0: Yeah, a uh, number of family members were working on Friday. Um, and I said, I don't care. Just ring it up. <laughs> Put it in the bag. Give me the family discount. I don't care that you're working. No, um, I did have a couple family members that did work on Friday. Uh, we had a great meal, kind of a quiet day. But there was we had everybody over. I think we were only missing one, I think, and and that was it. One of our grandchildren was not able to make it, but
2: yeah, every, I, that's a great point. Everybody made it. Yeah, everybody made it uh, uh, this year. We had a great turnout for the breakfast we had on on uh, on Wednesday Wednesday morning. And yeah. by the way, the flying was fine. Yeah, flying no, was no big
0: no big uh, problems. No,
2: no, I I uh, I took an Uber you know to the airport just mm. to you know just to make sure uh you yeah. know the parking wasn't going to be a problem and then when i went into the tsa screening uh maybe there were three people at the machine i walked right right in i mean there was mm-hmm. nobody in line mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. all now i this is like at 3:30 in the afternoon which i always go in the same place at dfw the same terminal the same tsa uh you know screening area right and uh, when you go in uh, at about 3.30 in the afternoon, I don't care when you go in, it's dead, but when I went into the airport, it wasn't that busy. Mm. The terminal that I was in, I was like, well, this is really great. So and a plane was on time, plane was on time coming back. And I'm like, okay. Christmas is going to be hell.
0: <laughs> well, you're going to pay for it one way or the other. Huh? Exactly. When am I yeah. going to when am I
2: when am I
4: going to end Never up Never works for it. out that
0: way, does it? Uh, no. Uh, I, I I saw something in the forecast where there were, you know, there's some some snow not not for Christmas forecast, but some snow coming in the coming days in in much of the country. Yeah. And we did see in the panhandle of Texas they got their first uh little bit of snow, but I don't know anything about the long-range forecast. I haven't even looked that far. I wouldn't put much into it if I could look that far uh, down the road for Christmas Day. Uh, What I have noticed is that along the Texas highways, there are a lot of deer. Non-living deer. It has been, over the last month, it is hunting season. But over the last month, I mean, it was, it's been crazy. And we were driving home Friday night from a couple hours away. And my wife and I both looking on the peripheral at all times because I've hit a deer before. It's not pleasant. Uh, I actually lucked out, only did some fender damage uh, in a van I was in years ago. Wow. Wow. Almost thirty years ago, and uh, the truck I have now would withstand it with no problem, but still you don't want that. I've seen a lot of friends that drive big rigs and they tell me stories that are crazy. And you'll see some of these huge uh, grates that are on um, these these big rigs and it's likely because of where they're where they're hauling loads. There are, at times certain times of year, when I hit the one I hit th- almost 30 years ago, it was during the spring and during the fall, kind of the same thing, basically. And the one that really kind of freaked me out was on I-35 in a major metro area, just 20 minutes north of here. Six lanes of traffic, actually eight lanes of traffic, four in each direction, and it's sitting or not sitting, laying up against a barricade wall. This is the inside of the city. I don't know how that happened. Wow, I'm guessing it happened at night or early morning that's quite often how it goes down, and it's up there by in Denton, Texas. If anybody's familiar up there by the Peterbilt plant, but it's on I-35. I mean, there's, there, there's um, UNT right there, not just a mile from UNT, not even that far from UNT uh, campus in the southbound lane and up against the barricade wall. And I was like, okay, I don't know how that happens. It had to have been in the morning. There is some wooded area left up there, but most of it's developed. And and somehow it got on the road
2: when uh, when I was uh, this goes back, probably I'm going to guess mid 90s. I was living in in Amherst, New York, uh, which is a suburb of Buffalo, which is a huge suburb. I mean, one of the biggest suburbs they have there It was a major road right around the corner, the road that my apartment was was on. Mm -hmm. And I remember driving down and the headlights run and I could see in front of me probably 10 cars ahead. You would have thought it looked like ten Santas were landing because yeah. they looked like reindeer yeah. Yeah. just hopping across. And I mean, it was probably you know wide. It probably was a good twenty or thirty yards wide. Right. You had a hundred deer. Right. Running across this road and cars just you know and it was a uh, it's a uh, it wasn't a residential road. It was a you know a major suburban road though, and it was it and nobody hit a deer. I mean it was like everybody but it was just amazing watching it. It went on for like 10 seconds. It was like wow. But uh yeah, they uh, deer I, deer can be a big problem. I've never hit one. We I when I travel to
0: Colorado if I try not to drive at night at all if I'm going through anywhere from basically the the Texas panhandle on as you start to slowly get into to elevation. But when you get into the Texas panhandle and get up near uh, the New Mexico border where you cross over, where 87 crosses over, there's these wide open fields and they have these pronghorn and those things, man, they're everywhere. You see them. If you're driving in the morning, you'll see them everywhere in, the, in these fields. But at night, it's pitch black out there. You don't see them. And one time I was traveling up there, and I was going on a fishing trip, and I decided, you know what, I'm not going to drive through that area this time of year. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and sleep in Amarillo, get up in the morning, and and finish my journey. And I did that. I was with my one of my daughters, and I decided, nope, not going to risk it because it's just. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And I've never hit one of those pronghorn, but they're huge. They're massive. And the one deer that I hit, I turned around, called, you know, fish and wildlife and said, I just hit a deer. Here's where I was. And it was near. There was one of these huge car dealerships out in the middle of nowhere along the highway that I was on. And I just kind of pulled over there, but I looked and looked and looked and I couldn't see any signs of it. It was nowhere to be found. I don't know if it limped off or what happened to it. But, uh, they, the, um, uh, the official came up, took some information and they looked for it. They took a picture of the bumper and then basically went out and looked for it. I, I never heard back as to what, what happened, but it can do serious damage, serious damage. And it is just you get into uh the Texas Hill Country and it can be especially dangerous dangerous. Uh so much wildlife on some of those smaller highways especially, you know, crosses. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, we've noticed an uptick. Uh my wife on one trip, this is uh a hundred and twenty miles each way. Uh one trip she noticed fourteen. She counted 14. And that's not a long journey.
2: I've seen a lot of coyotes. Yeah. Out lately.
0: I've seen them. One female has been hunting for something in my yard, in my neighbor's yard. And she's, uh, as I pull up, this has happened now four or five times as I pulled up coming home from work Mm -hmm. at a little after 5 a.m., then she's taken off and, and leaving as I pull up a couple of times she stops and she looks back at me as if, do you have any food or do you need something from me? Or why are you in my business here? We have a ton of rabbits and well Bobcat. Uh, uh we have, um, possum. We have, uh, you know, like every neighborhood rats, the closer you are to, to water river rats. um, and that's basically what they feed on. in this time of year, normally when I see them around here, they're in packs. It's at least four of them,
2: four or five. Yeah, I've seen them at night, and it's just one. Yeah, usually a, a, a lone And it, and uh, what I what I love though, I have to say this this I get a kick out of it. If you're on next door, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, yeah, how entertaining is next door? Yeah. It's a bobcat. That's yeah. a house cat. <laughs> well there's a coyote uh, alert there's a coyote it's like, that's like saying the sun is out in july
0: mm-hmm. yeah
2: you know and yeah. and i just i get the biggest kick yeah. out of this absolute panic or people that talk there was a snake you know there's snakes around here yeah that's well, yeah, texas I, again it's sunny in july yeah it rain it's <laughs> it's probably raining in portland right now am yeah, i right, right? Exactly. am i right yeah. All right. It's okay. If not, wait for it. Wait. Yeah. It is November. It is late mm-hmm. November. It's raining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's like come on. And the the panic is just we don't know how these snakes. And then you see where they live because some mm-hmm. you know a lot of times they'll have the street. Mm-hmm. It's like you're right next to the lake.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right next to the lake, and there's a hundred yards of woods in between you and the lake. Yeah and you're screaming that snakes are in your backyard. Yeah. And and seriously, I I sit and think did they just move here? Yeah, they have...
0: yeah. Right. It's funny because I I read an article recently from uh someone from California and she moved to Austin and said our family loves it here. The only thing that we're not used to is the the insects and the and the snakes. And that was, you know, that was pretty much it. But if you live in Texas, even in major metro areas, coyotes have always been in this neighborhood because this neighborhood wasn't developed, this part of the neighborhood especially. Um, but there's still a wooded area that goes along a railroad track over, you know, uh, just a half a block from where we are uh, east of here. And, they will run in a pack up and down that. They go along oh. water. There's so much water here. That creek near my house is hundreds of years old. And there's all types of wildlife.
2: When uh, when I lived in North Arlington, and Arlington's a big place. That's where the, if anybody knows it, that's where the stadiums are. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's a big place. Right. What is it? Three hundred, four hundred thousand 400,000 people now. Mm-hmm. But it's surrounded by suburbs everywhere mm-hmm. well I used to play at a golf course it was right in the middle it was right on the line of Arlington and Grand Prairie Texas right Grand Prairie uh, another big suburb right you know between Arlington and Dallas right and and so this was a golf course in the middle of all subdivisions yeah I would see pack of coyotes I would see uh what do you call it the uh the oh uh, the uh, the small little bear or the small little uh Cats. Bobcats, Bobcats, see Bobcats in there mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, yeah. running through people's backyard. I mean, it's like, th- this is where you are. You're in, you're in Texas. I remember that they did one time and I think this was a neighborhood in, in San Diego and they had, you know, tagged a ton of mountain lions mm-hmm. Yeah, and they said it was amazing how the mountain lions, they wouldn't enter the subdivision. But they could track them at night especially, and they were like surrounding, you know, the, the entire subdivision right outside the woods. They mm-hmm. were all right there, yeah. you yeah. know, and it was yeah. like, wow. And they said, but yeah. they most of them never came in to the actual subdivisions. But then again, right. you're not looking for food in the subdivision. You're going to stay there. Now, what drew them at night closer to the, uh, the subdivision would be, uh, you know, an interesting observation to make. You know, why were they... Why were they coming in at night? Or did they view dogs and cats at night, things like that? Yeah, and it as, depends
0: on, like, the weather. If, if it's been a drought situation and they don't have much prey uh, naturally, then they'll move into the more populated area. But that's been the case here with, with coyotes in urban settings for a long, long time. If it's a small animal, and I have neighbors that still let their cats out all night, every night. And I've never heard of one being attacked or anything like that, but um, they still let their cats roam at night. You know, so.
2: Yeah, I I wouldn't. Yeah. I would <laughs> not probably not, especially
0: right now, having seen uh, that one coyote so many times uh, outside of my house.
2: Coming up, the hostage situation and where we're going with the ceasefire. Mm. And the president came out. This is pure evidence that the president is not behind Israel. He came out with a tweet yesterday. We need to have a two-state solution. Yeah. You would think, because this is the dumb thing, the president and the left is arguing things that the Palestinians don't even want. Forget about Hamas. Right, right. Only 24% of Palestinians polled by a world poll between March and October of this year. Only 24% want a two-state solution. Right. No, there's one goal. Eliminate Israel. Yep. We'll get to this coming up. 866-90-RED-EYE.
0: Brought to you by FPPF, Fuel Power Max.
4: It's a common road rumor that it's impossible for one-truck owner-operators and even carriers with just two or three trucks to get freight direct from the source, the shipper. Yet, hard-won experience from untold numbers of owner-operators with authority disproves the notion. Search your home base area and, later, frequent freight destinations to find all the manufacturers, distributors, and other shippers in the area. Once you get that list, ask yourself if those companies know who you are and what you do. If not, you're leaving opportunities on the table. Strive to own your backyard, to build a solid foundation for the business. For many a small fleet, it's the loads outbound from home that are the bread and butter. But you can take that same approach to the destination area, identifying shippers there and getting on the phone to make sure they know who you are and what you do. Owner Operator Business 101 is provided by Overdrive's Partners and Business Program. Go to overdriveonline.com to the Partners and Business section of the website for more detail on this and many other topics. Brought to you
3: by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance.
1: Lines open for your calls 866 90 Red Eye on Red Eye Radio.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara. When I look at the Wall Street Journal uh, lead editorial from yesterday, Hamas holds everyone hostage. Um, and, and, and it's absolutely true uh, as to what's going on here. Nothing here surprises me. In fact, this is what you and I predicted because we understand and know who Hamas is. Mm. And so we know exactly what's going on. And that's why, I mean, it's just, number one, you were mentioning the story that uh, came out uh, about the president in October apologizing to Muslim leaders because he said Hamas's numbers can't be trusted. Right. Uh, and then the the president over the weekend uh, in a tweet saying he supports the two-state solution. I mean, it's just, it's it's mind-boggling the stupidity, which I believe the stupidity comes from the fact that if you hate Israel, your argument can only be stupidity.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Consider yourself canceled if you don't listen nightly. Red Eye Radio.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. To show you how evil the left is, you, you saw that uh, uh, Conor McGregor, the, the fighter, mm. came out against what the Israeli prime minister said. Mm-hmm. So the Israeli. The Irish prime minister said. hmm when he said, this is uh, this is a day of enormous joy and relief for Emily Hand and her family. An innocent child who was lost has now been found and returned, and we breathe a massive sigh of relief. Our prayers have been answered. That was on Twitter. Mm. Connor McGregor wrote, she was abducted by an evil terrorist organization. What is it with you and your government and your paid for media affiliates by constantly downplaying, attempting to repress the horrific acts that happened to children. You're a disgrace. And uh, then wrote here, hang on, here he goes, uh, uh, the day after the stabbing of children in Ireland, not one paper had it on their front cover. We will not forget. Uh, uh, X had uh, readers add context to the prime minister. Mm. But that's something that's done on purpose. Lost and found. What the hell are you talking about? She wasn't lost and then found. Well, this is it. You and I were talking during the break, and it's
0: clear that when the left, and this is the globalist left, all over the world now, the left is doing the same thing. They have been... On different issues, but on this issue right now, it's not even talking points. It's the mindset. We'll just say it as if it's true and ignore the truth. We won't point out the very harsh reality that we're living in right now. We'll just say, we'll change the definitions of words. We'll rephrase things To create a situation that looks very ambiguous. And that's what they want you to believe. And you see it. It was driving me crazy over the break. The way stories are written. As if this is a, well, there's things going on on both sides and... We absolutely cannot ignore the truth in a situation like this, because if we do, then we open up the entire world for an attack, and when that happens, we'll have no will, political will, for a defense. I said it after October 7th, and I believe it now more than ever since then. That if we're attacked by the enemy again on American soil. That there won't be the, the political will will be. Well, we have to let's take some time to find out what really happened. Let's do an investigation before we and all of this garbage. And you'll have, of course, those that are out there right now. Pro-Hamas people that are on the streets of America, they'll say, well, America deserved the
2: attack. Pro-beheading of babies, as I like to say. Uh, Just to read your parts of the Wall Street Journal, the civilized world is rejoicing at the release of hostages by Hamas, especially the sight of young children reunited with their parents after seven weeks of hell. But that relief shouldn't blind us to the way the jihadists are manipulating human sentiment to achieve their terrorist aims. The killers are releasing a dozen or so hostages each day in return for three times the number of Palestinians, excuse me, Palestinians released by Israel. Hamas kidnapped innocent Israelis and others in a deliberate act of terror. The released Palestinians were arrested or convicted of crimes under the law. Now Hamas is using the hostages to play on Western respect for human life. Hamas knows its strategy is dividing Israeli opinion between those who prioritize the release of the hostages and those who want Hamas defeated so it can never again slaughter thousands of people. Hamas is also manipulating the world, including the Biden administration. I would disagree with that. They're not manipulating the Biden administration. The Biden administration, so many in there side with Hamas. No,
0: they are absolutely... Part yeah. of the manipulation and, themselves.
2: And, and yeah, and we know the Biden's part of that manipulation himself when he called just uh, over the weekend for a two state solution. Mm-hmm. He knows that's BS. Right. Uh, and he knows it's BS because number one, the Palestinians don't want a two state solution, and Hamas clearly that runs uh, the Palestinian government, they don't want it. At all. No. They, they want one a one goal. state solution. Yep. Which is the elimination of Israel. Uh, President Biden said Sunday hopes for a, an initial four day military truce can be extended so uh, more hostages will be released. This includes the unknown number of Americans held in who knows what conditions underground. Hamas released the first U.S. hostage on Sunday, a four year old American Israeli girl whose parents were murdered in front of her. Mm-hmm. But every day the truce lasts, the more time the jihadists have to regroup, slip out of Gaza, rearm or plan more ambushes against Israelis. And the longer it lasts, the more odds increase of an extended ceasefire, which is what Hamas really wants. The onus will fall on Israel to end the truce, though Hamas is unlikely ever to release all hostages who are its only source of leverage. This is a terrible choice that Hamas doesn't have to make because it considers civilians, including Palestinians, to be expendable weapons of war. That's why it hides in hospitals, schools, and mosques, and kidnaps women and children to serve its murderous ends. Now, we know that uh, 17 uh, is uh, Israeli and foreign hostages were released on Sunday, Biden calling for an extension. Yeah, of course. But well, you uh, knew that the, was
0: going to happen. That was coming.
2: Israel said, fine, as long as you release 10 a day. Yeah. Every day you release 10. Right. And what they're saying is, okay, it gets to the point of, all right, uh, Israel must be willing at this point. Now, remember, part of what Israel is doing, because Israel sees over here, they can't get funding from the United States. Mm-hmm. And they understand the Democrats are in charge. Right. They understand. They read. They understand what the, you know, uh, the for example, when it came out that 500 members at least, of the Biden administration wrote a letter saying we must have a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. They understand. Mm-hmm. They understand what's going on in Congress, uh, you know, right now mm-hmm. that can't get the funding, and so we need to get the funding. We need to get the administration on our side. Well, you're not going to Israel. Just so you know, I th- I think this. The, I think
0: they know that, and I think right now. The ceasefire could be acting as a time to look if we don't because if they don't have that funding from the U.S. and they don't have the support from this administration. Then what's their only hope?
2: I want to make this clear that when I said that I didn't include us when I said, right, right, we, I meant the United That's States. I meant the Biden officially administration as a nation, yes. right, officially as a nation, not my opinion or uh, most of, a, well, of Americans' opinions, but but, but you're, if you're if
0: you're Israel right now, you're dealing with that—that that you don't have this administration on your side, that you don't have funding coming your way from the U.S., and you're dealing with a global media that is has been from day one shaping the narrative against you, making you the bad guy. Yep. The radicals are in control they're shaping the narrative every single day
2: and this idiocy about a uh, you know uh two-state solution uh, uh here uh here we go mm. this this polling was taken let me make it clear before october seventh mm. and bef- and and so it was before Israel even went in mm-hmm uh And this, again, this uh represents the views of Palestinians based on world poll interviews conducted between July and September that concluded the week before Hamas launched an attack on Israel. Gallup's world poll field work in Israel was scheduled to begin on October 9th, but the war has delayed polling. Palestinians likely had low uh, expectations for President Joe Biden's visit on Wednesday to the Middle East. After a stop in Israel, Biden was scheduled to meet with Arab leaders to discuss humanitarian aid. That leg of the trip was canceled abruptly Tuesday after deadly bombing of a Gaza hospital. So this goes back actually to this article goes back to October 18th just so you uh, have some uh, uh, context uh, on it. Uh, like his predecessors, most Palestinians do not trust Biden to mediate a fair peace treaty. 84% of Palestinians polled in the months and weeks leading up to Hamas's October 7th terrorist attack on Israel said they have little to no trust in Biden, including 70% who say they have none at all. Hmm. Uh, let me see here. Hamas's... I want to get this here. Hamas's unprecedented... Terrorist attack on Israel and the outbreak of war has refocused international attention on the long running Arab Israeli conflict. In the months and weeks leading up to October 7th, only 24% of Palestinians living in the West Bank, Gaza, and East Jerusalem said they supported a two state solution to the conflict. With an independent Palestinian state existing, alongside Israel. Do I have to go any further? Nope. So the president is arguing something that the Palestinians under Hamas don't want. Right. And apparently the Gallup poll went in to talk to individual Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Polled, you know, polled them. Mm-hmm. Um A two-state solution first proposed by the British government in 1937 and repurposed in various forms ever since has long been the baseline of peace mediation between both sides. No, it's not. No. It might have been back then. It's not now. No.
0: That's what people from outside the situation have talked about.
2: Not the two sides. Support for a uh, two-state solution by Palestinians, 15 to 25 years of age, 16%. 26 to 35, 23%. Mm. 36 to 45, 28%. 46 and older, 34%. Mm. So there you go. Mm. So why, why is the United States bringing it up? Why would the president bring it up when neither side believes it's possible? Neither side wants it. One side, as we all know, one side wants the elimination of Israel Mm -hmm. and the Jews, Mm -hmm. not just Israel. The other side, you probably could find a variety of different opinions, being the fact that they are... A Western democracy. Yeah. But they weren't true. able to take that poll because the war happened. They were going to take that poll uh, in in the fall. Mm. But when they sit there and they talk about a two-state solution. So, Mr. President, you're going to be ensuring that Hamas is gone then? To talking to, to Biden. Right. Is Hamas going to be gone? Or is there going to be a two-state solution with Hamas in charge? Because if you want a two-state solution with Hamas in charge, you almost have one right now. That's
0: pretty much what exists right now. Right. And it does not change the goal of Hamas.
1: Eight six six ninety red eye Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at eight six six ninety 90 red eye
2: It's Friday Radio. He's Eric and I'm Gary McNamara. You just made a great point here. We're making great points because we're, we're, we don't stop talking. <laughs> Even during commercial breaks when you said the media is making it sound like they're hostages on both sides.
0: Over the weekend, that's what really was driving me nuts is if you're reading the headlines or the updates or whatever, depending on which media group you're following, they made it sound like there were hostages on both sides. Because – This is classic liberal playbook 101. Just make it sound ambiguous and hope that the public forgets all about October 7th. So eventually you shape the narrative to make it look like Israel really is the bad guy here. And you go out over and over and over again. And, of course, this administration is going to be part of that. They're shaping the narrative themselves, and we're seeing it every single day, and it's maddening.
1: This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio.
2: All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend and you got to see family and friends. And now comes the Christmas rush. <laughs> got to get everything done. Got to get everything done. Got to get everything done. Yeah. I was in that mode. Were you? Yeah. I had to finish. I, I do all my super house cleaning in the fall. Yeah. Because the weather starts getting a little bad. and You know, and it's like, well, what else is there to do? So I'm also clean the house. And so, uh Shampooed, whatever you want to call it, I got the steam cleaner shampoo thing, Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, did my uh, my family room, right. And I had to bring the cat into the vet, right on uh, on Saturday, and it went all right. You know what I did? I found her. Took her out for tequila first. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) I I felt a little bad about it. I have a collapsible cage, you know, because they. She is the greatest cat in the world. I mean, the kindest, kindest. I mean, I don't think she knows what kindness is. The most gentle. <laughs> I have to be careful not to use human terms for a cat. She is the most well-behaved <laughs> uh, 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 cat. To but, this point. To this point. But she hates going to the vet. Nah. To the point where I've told the story where when I when I first got her and they just, they couldn't control her and I had to hold her down. And the scream that she gave, the scream was like a mountain lion. And I said, mm. that's it. If we can't fi- figure out a way to do this, then I'm not bringing her in anymore. or I'm finding a different vet or I'm just, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to put her through that kind of stress. Yeah. You know, I just won't bring her in. She's an indoor cat. And, uh, when it's, uh, you know, if I know she's hurting, I'll bring her in, and sure. you do whatever sure. you have to do at that point. Sure. But I'm not going to. And they said, well, do you have a collapsible cage? Well, yeah. Well, you can bring that in, and we just all press down on it, and she can't attack anyone. And through the little mesh holes, you can sit there and put the first sedative in. Okay. Well, why didn't you tell me five visits ago? I went in right. four different times. four. Then yeah. the fifth time is finally that they figured that out. So I've had no problem uh you know with the uh since but where she lays all the time there's a little mm-hmm. pad i put i put the pad that's in the the cage mm-hmm. in there about two weeks ago so she kept laying on it yeah then i took the cage and i put it right next to and put that little pad right in the cage mm-hmm. when i went in to take her to the vet she's half in that cage i just wow. tipped it over she slid down i zipped it up you know look at me what's going on <laughs> the fast one yes all right the human yeah was uh was able to uh defeat the cat oh good (laughs) uh so that was you know that was really uh that was really my my uh my whole weekend you know Mm. flying i fly so much back to new york where it's like doesn't it's not like i go anymore right because i'm there so much it's just like Mm -hmm. oh okay time to go and Mm-hmm. jump on the plane. It's like taking a bus or jumping in the car for me now. Right. But, uh, yeah. that's uh, If all, you ever
0: all, took a bus to Buffalo, you would think otherwise. But, yeah.
2: I had Can to take, you imagine? I had to take a bus one time from Chicago to Buffalo. The only time I've ever been on a bus. Mm-hmm. Chicago to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Rockford, actually, to Buffalo. Yeah. And they make stops. So we mm. left. We left Mm. at like seven in the afternoon and got in at nine the next morning. It's like, okay, don't want to do that again.
0: The last time I was on a bus, it belonged to Willie Nelson, and I don't remember any of it. (laughs) True story. I do remember all Uh, of it. I was going to say I was on. Yeah, very good. He was uh, about to eat breakfast after doing uh, an all night broadcast with us years ago. Wow. Yeah. Ah, uh, did you enjoy? Actually, the last bus I was on was Tracy Lawrence's bus. Just the sh- singer Tracy Lawrence.
2: Smell any Mexican tobacco on that uh, one? Uh, with uh-
0: no, it was American weed. <laughs> Why would there be Mexican tobacco on Willie Nelson's bus? He I, smokes American weed. I heard
2: that. I heard that in a movie sometime. Di- yeah. one time it's like uh, some Mexican stuff. Huh? <laughs> no, this one. just
0: in: authorities <laughs> we- in Texas pulled over a large bale of marijuana. And found a Willing Nelson tour bus inside.
2: We only buy American.
0: Yeah. Buy hey, I think that bus is smoking. Well, <laughs> no, not really.
2: I, I, you know, I love the smell of diesel exhaust, but there's something else in there. Yeah, right. Are, is, that, is that Canadian cigarettes?
0: Right. Hmm. Look at that. Smell be, Willie Nelson? Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't think my niece had to take a a bus one time and it was only a 3 hour ride by car. I don't know how long it took her but uh she wasn't happy about it having to take a bus. It just it I know it took too long. I don't know exactly how long it took. I think anything over five minutes for her was too long.
2: You know what I really I liked over the weekend? There are a couple of threads on planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, yeah. And the yeah, real yeah. meaning of it. Mm-hmm. That Dell, well, he wasn't going home. He was just searching for a friend. Right, yeah. Because yeah. Dell didn't have a didn't home. Didn't have a home. Right, Right. yeah. And I didn't watch that I didn't watch that over this weekend. Mm-hmm. I've seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on about two weeks ago. Just the 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 part where they jump on the well, not uh, <laughs> inside the trailer of an eighteen wheeler, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and get back to Chicago. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, when they're waiting for the train, yeah, the uh, the uh, the L train, whatever they call it, mm-hmm. Loop, mm-hmm. and. You know when he then he jumps on it. and He's thinking about everything that's going on, and then he goes back. And there's Dell. Then the next scene is him carrying, you know, the big. Would you call that they were carrying down the street? Suit, not a suitcase, trunk. Yeah, they're right, carrying yeah. that. That it was trunk, a trunk. Yeah, yeah, carrying that trunk down. And when he, when they go in the house, right at the end. <laughs> it's funny because. I'm like, <laughs> I'm getting a little emotional now. <laughs> when he says, you know, hello to, you know, Steve Steve Martin's wife. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She says, hello, Mr. Griffith, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he's holding on to his cap and he squeezes it. And then the camera focuses right in on his face. And it's a combination of complete and total loneliness. Mm-hmm. And But then that little smile at the end because he feels like he's now... He's found a friend. Oh, yeah. what a. Yeah. I mean, that just tears you up.
0: And John Candy had to be the guy.
2: Nobody could have played that role.
0: There's no one on the planet that could have pulled that off. Yeah. Like he did.
2: No, no one.
0: He was one of those vulnerable comedians. And someone mentioned Uncle Buck the other day in, in passing. And I thought, oh, man. Man, uh, that's one of those movies where all of his strengths came out, basically, in Uncle Buck. But Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, if you want to get down to what I think a big part of the appeal to John Candy was, it was that vulnerable sense that he had as a comedian. And you saw it in a number of other comedians over the years. Uh, I would say... Uh, Richard Pryor, who kind of, you know, in his bits would, you know, talk about things that he did that Mm -hmm. he was responsible for. Um, But you saw that with uh, Chris Farley. Yeah. And they just had that vulnerable sense about them.
2: Yeah, he had that.
0: Yeah, You know?
2: I don't think anybody matched Candy on that, though. No. In that moment.
0: Because Candy could also turn it around, and I think Farley to some extent, but Candy really could turn it around and be the guy in charge, you know, for the moment, like he did in Uncle Buck. Yeah. Where you believed it. All right. (laughs) He's taking charge here. And and that's the greatness.
2: Yeah. Did you ever buy that Chris Farley could run the break company? Never. (laughs) Not for a second. (laughs) But. When he was standing over his father's gravesite. Yeah, yeah. And Amazing Grace is playing. Yeah. For Farley. Yeah. That was like, that was yeah. that was a tearjerker. Yeah. I did watch over the weekend, though, my favorite Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. Home for the Holidays. Mm. Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr., Anne Bancroft, Charles Durning, Steve Gutenberg, Yeah. About the most dysfunctional family ever getting right. together for Thanksgiving.
0: Right. These days, that would be a normal family.
2: Yes, it would be a normal family. Yeah, yes.
0: That typical family.
2: Actually, uh, uh, it was a Jodie Foster movie. Mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr.'s just fantastic in that movie. Yeah. And that was when they were trying to get him. He was looking for something. And he goes, okay, this is interesting. And this is after, you know, he had so many drug problems and all that. Mm-hmm. And Bancroft, she's just, uh, um, she's just fantastic in that. And Charles Durning, my favorite line in a Thanksgiving movie, mm. when he turns to his daughter, who would be Holly Hunter, who's back home and they're in the midst of this dysfunction and they grab a beer and they're watching football for a moment and he turns to her, I don't know why, I always, this always just tears me up. He turns to her and he goes, here's to us, mm-hmm. Americans. And he mm-hmm. just takes the, you know, basically toast with the beer can yeah. Holly Hunter. I just love that part.
0: of it. You'd have to take that line out today.
2: <laughs> sorry. I did. I I'm sorry. Did I offend anybody? Yeah. Is anybody offended? Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Next thing I'll be telling you, Hamas is not good. And I'm going to have to apologize for that. Like Biden did. That's where we are.
0: I've been saying we're doomed for a long long time and every day it grows in my mind that my doomed isn't big enough to describe how doomed we are <laughs> when we'll lay down for the enemy i know when we'll go yeah. to bat for the enemy and become defensive and we will protest in honor of the enemy and- i don't know how to do i don't know how to do that I don't know how a society does it, and it's not the overwhelming majority of people, but it's enough of them to be loud enough. It's loud to be yeah. extremely troubling, and also to move things politically. There's a reason Biden had to issue an apology for that whole thing back in October
2: for saying Hamas's numbers of who's it, that he couldn't killed, trust
0: Hamas's numbers. Don't trust it. By the it, way. He had to
2: apologize to Muslim leaders for saying he didn't trust Hamas casualty numbers. Right. And any Democrat defend that.
0: Well, where's the call? We've been asking since the beginning. Where's the call by Palestinians to say we don't want to be ruled by Hamas?
2: Well, in an oppressed society, that's tough to say.
0: Outside of that society, they can say it as loud as they want.
2: Yeah, outside of the society, yes. Mm-hmm. I I agree with you. Yeah, that doesn't exist. Doesn't exist at all. No, it doesn't exist. And it's insane
0: that the narrative has become this. That we are bowing to the enemy. Yeah. I won't.
2: Not only bowing to the enemy, bowing to terrorism. hmm Yeah. Ex- not, only ex- not just accepting terrorism... Celebrating the slaughter of innocent men, women, and babies. Well, we went from this
0: administration being sounding like they were the defense lawyers from Iran for Iran and Hamas and terrorists and the Iran proxies to now apologizing. And it's not, the the narrative isn't going to change. It's going to go further in this direction. The liberal media shapes the narrative. Hoping you'll forget about the atrocities. Hoping you never learned about them. Hoping that the truth doesn't matter to you.
2: Because it doesn't to them. Eight six six ninety red
1: We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Crowley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, we talk about how the media covers things, and you and I both saw this article. Uh, Business Insider had it, and normally there's as liberals as you can get. In fact, you and I were asking the other day, why is Business Insider having some conservative points of view in there? Yeah. Remember, we were sort of Based shocked. Based on
0: the stories they're doing.
2: Yes, but this one was just great. People are leaving Texas over rising cost, partisan politics, and a sense of, of disenchantment Mm -hmm. and it's like okay it's going to be interesting Mm -hmm. and then the first thing you see here is texas has experienced a surge in popularity during the pandemic that drove home prices up 30 percent. meanwhile the political freedom some sought in the state has encouraged others to leave that's a load of manure Mm -hmm. and then they have the third thing have you left or do you plan on leaving texas Business insiders want to hear from you. And while some homebuyers seek the American dream in Texas, many are leaving the state to find it elsewhere. And the first two people that they quote are anonymous.
4: Yeah,
2: <laughs> from a Reddit thread about leaving Texas, lifelong Texas here. I'm definitely preparing my exit strategy. From the heat to the stripping away of human rights, I'm just done. Uh huh. Another poster struck a similar chord. I've been in Texas most of my life, and my husband and I were always planning on retiring here. But between this intense heat, crazy politics, come on, intense heat. It's the exact same. I'm a lifelong Tex- Texan and the intense heat. You may not like the heat, but it's always been here. Yeah, I mean, unless you're 10 years old. Yeah, but in in between this intense heat, crazy politics, the cost of living, we've decided to leave for good and head to Knoxville. And they go, well, you know, some people are saying this. Uh, over 494,000 people left Texas between 2021 and 2022, though the state gained a net population of 1. Uh, 174,261. Mm-hmm. It's a trend that could intensify as housing costs surge. It could. And the state's political landscape becomes more polarized. Uh-huh.
0: I'm like, they're just trying. No, they want it they're, to look like, like the mass exodus of California. Yes. It could happen. You never know. It might. Wait for it. Yeah, that, they call that reporting.
2: And then talk about being behind. They start talking about how the property tax is higher here. Mm-hmm. And we just had the, we just got yeah. the, the, probably the biggest tax cut I'll ever get in my life. Right. Property tax cut. Mm-hmm. And the reason is there is no income tax. Right. The property tax percentage rate is higher, uh, said Marie Bailey, a Texas-based realtor who moved. Uh, from California to Prosper, Texas in 2017. Previously told Business Insider, every time a prospective client calls me, it's one of the first things I talk about. As Texas starts to lose its edge as an inexpensive and affordable housing choice, many locals are shifting their focus to the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I love the prediction for Texas hundred million people in 75 years triple what we have now
0: yeah yeah it's you know over and over again it is and 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 you see it it's yeah but it could happen yeah but it might happen and they cherry pick it and then when they cherry pick it the first two people are anonymous wow
1: to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios.
2: And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want if you can't listen live uh, overnight. I, I just, that going back to that Business Insider article though, I just laugh because we all know that there's always movement between states. Mm-hmm. You know, I know somebody who got a great job in California uh, and didn't leave Texas but left another state mm-hmm. to go to California for it, all the while figuring out how much more he would have to make in California because of the property and the taxes. Right. And had to work that, uh, work that in. Uh, the thing is, again, you can always find people that don't like a particular state. There are people that move to Texas. There are people from Texas that don't like the heat. There are people that live in Minnesota that don't like the cold.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know? So, yeah, weather is you know always going to be a decision. Is it the final decision? It never was for me. weather I live- I lived in very cold climates, Mm. and I've lived in very hot climates. Uh, The only thing that mattered to me was the job that I had. Right. And the money that I was making in the profession that I wished to work in. It was cold. It was cold. You know, it's cold. (laughs) Well, I'll put it this way. Cold lasts longer in the very cold states than warm does here in Texas. Yeah. Warm is really, uh, you know, June 15th to September 15th. Pretty much. And maybe even you could say July. You talk about real, you know, July, you know, through, so maybe three, three and a half months. (laughs) Winter can be, oh man, November, December, January, February, March. (laughs) April, May. Into (laughs) April, (laughs) into what I consider to be cold. But the, the, and so you know that's always going that's always going to happen and people are going to depending on what their profession is and depending on what they want if you live for example and there was a one a woman that said when she lived in the northwest yeah if you live in the northwest and and you like the mountains yeah because there's nothing like the mountains in the northwest i remember the first time i flew over you know, the the the, cas- the cascades and you're looking and you're like, My God, what is that? Yeah. And when I, you know and being able to uh look in the crater of Mount St. Helens or you know, golf at the base of Mount Hood or go, go down through the Willamette Valley and, and head through different parts of the Cascade or go to East Oregon, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean you sit there and you're like, Where the hell am I? Mm-hmm. I'm on the moon on one end, and it looks like I'm in the Swiss, Swiss, Alps, Swiss Alps in the other. And they talk about one woman who said, you know, I'm living in Houston, basically downtown. It's not the same as the Northwest. No blank, Sherlock.
0: There are a lot of things that aren't the same as downtown Houston. Houston. Yes.
2: <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there
0: as a lifelong Texan. <laughs>
2: See well that's the thing too because no matter where you go there is nothing there I, the the landscape of of Texas for example you go you go 70 miles uh west of you know of of the middle of the metroplex you start getting mm-hmm. into those where these the those hills just come out of the the ground i mean it's mm-hmm. like the most incredible features if you go east towards mm-hmm. louisiana you go on i20 You get, I don't know what it would be, maybe 60, 70, ah, probably be more, about 100 miles. And it's all pines, all evergreens. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. You think you're in, I always love, I may not be able to do it this year, I always love going back to Marshall, Texas every couple of years. I always go during the Christmas time, the small town of Marshall, where I used to live. And you go through those little rolling hills with the pines. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen anything like that for such a length of time. Yeah,
0: and and Central Texas, the hill country. Oh, the hill country is beautiful. And then West Texas, uh, dust, Lubbock, flatland, more dust.
2: And oil. (laughs) Wind.
0: And a humidity of about. 12 percent no i mean it's it's just and you know there's you can go from if you go to the top of the panhandle down to brownsville well that's going to be a couple days trip for you yeah exactly and you're going to see a lot of different uh
2: scenery and so we know it's 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 almost like the left saying well they're the right's trying to make it seem like Everybody's moving to Texas and nobody's moving out. Well, there are actually some people that are moving out. Here we find two people anonymously on social media that say they're leaving. And how do we know they weren't kicked out?
0: Because <laughs> we will expel you.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, but it's they're trying to make a population shift equivalent. And well, you, and, and that and, and that's what and you that's can't the do. problem is that's that the you problem, can't get right.
0: to those kind of numbers. And, and you see the massive exodus that you've been seeing. It's, it was much slower up until about, oh, I don't know, COVID, defund the police and the responses and, and results of all of that. And you look at, you know, other states. It isn't just Texas, though Texas really is right now the focus for a lot of people. And the reason is what we just described. Because culturally, Austin, very different than a Lubbock. (laughs) There are a few people
2: who are weird in Lubbock. And we're not saying dust.
0: Right. There are a few people who are weird in Lubbock. Everybody in Austin is weird. (laughs) And everybody, every single one. Oh, no, it's everybody. (laughs) And when you look, that's no hyperbole whatsoever. And when you look at that, and and I was doing business one time, and a, a guy who had moved to Texas, this goes back long before COVID, and he was saying, I didn't realize how diverse the state was in terms of how different the different cities are yeah. and the suburbs and everything else. I said, yeah, that's you know, you pretty much described it. Uh, I saw an article the other day. What was it? Uh, I think it was, was it 70 plus percent live in these major metro areas of the of the state? Well, of course, that's. These are the population hubs. That's the case, by the way, for many states. The majority mm-hmm. of people live in these huge metro areas. Well, when you look at then why people come here, well, from California, you can get a bargain when it comes to real estate compared to California.
2: Yeah, even with the increase we've seen in the last yep. couple of years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's an important thing, to
0: and say. and that gives people, if you've got any equity in a home in California, you can take that equity and, in some cases, pay cash for a house in Texas. But the cost of living is much lower. And then again, you you see the uh, the different you you know the diversity in the in the different areas of well, we came here, we wanted to make sure that this this was available for our kids or that was available. We wanted to make sure that we weren't, you know, moving into a place that was going to be very unsettling for our our children and and that kind of thing. And, you know, if you do your homework, um, you know, that's and, and, and you can say this about many states. It's quite unfortunate what's happened in California and in many of these blue states. But it happened by choice. To be clear. When you go down the road of defunding the police, expect that lawlessness, especially violent crime, will increase. When you don't stop people from vandalizing or stealing and shoplifting, expect that organized crime will increase, and that's exactly what happened. You either enforce the laws Or the lawless will run those towns. And there's no way around that. And then when you get into the, okay, we're going to tax the daylights out of, I was watching a guy the other day. He said, and this guy's in his 70s. He said, I left New York State when I was 18, as soon as I could make a decision to do it for myself. And I was living in other lower tax states because all they know how to do is tax and spend. Well, that creates an economy that you cannot sustain. You have to be a high earner to be able to afford to live in most of these blue areas and in blue states. And that kills an economy. Look, it's a massive economy California has. Imagine what it would be like with deregulation. Imagine what it would be like with law enforcement the way it should be.
2: By the way, everybody in Texas is weird except those who listen to Talk thirteen seventy. That's right. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Some of them are weird too.
2: But well, one of them is not, just a few. Not one of them is not my old friend mm-hmm. Lynn Willie, who does co-host of the morning show there. Mm-hmm. I thought you said the other day he's really weird. <laughs> he's a good guy yeah. really good guy you know where i met him mm. i met him at I, we i met him oh wow we had a i mean we hung out uh september probably 9th 10th and 11th of 2002 mm. he wow. was he was in there covering uh the year anniversary of mm. 9-11 mm-hmm. i think i remember us hanging out at a like a Is it like a TGIF or something like that right around the corner? Mm -hmm. And we just we uh, we, you know, I haven't talked to him in a while, but we used to keep in touch all the time. But he's a good guy. Really good guy. Yeah. I like Lynn a lot. Yeah. And he knows Texas. One thing he knows, he's worked, he's been in Texas his
0: whole life. Well, see, that's the thing about Austin is that you can get all the great benefits. A lot of liberals love it because they're taking full advantage of
2: low taxes. Now, that's not Lynn want to make sure yeah <laughs> we are right. not a liberal
0: <laughs> but a lot of liberals love living there because they have the advantages that the the policies provide low taxes yeah uh one liberal comedian that has said repeatedly since leaving California I love the the idea I may not carry a gun every day but I love the idea that I have the right to protect myself stopped right there that's all he had to say and he said it repeatedly. It's a real thing. The Washington Post and liberal media can pretend like, well, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, but they have to make it up. Reality is what moves people. And people are voting with their
2: feet. Eight six six ninety red eye
1: Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
2: In Trudy Radio, he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. This is interesting. Residents in blue states pay much more for electricity than in red states. New study out. We'll get to that Hmm. coming up. And uh, Biden's uh, DHS uh, requires border agents to use preferred pronouns of illegal immigrants Hmm. because those are the things that matter on the border. (laughs) Sheesh.
0: Just as long as we're saying the right words, right? The border is secure.
2: And this is really interesting. Mm. Here's a headline. Elizabeth Warren has an Obamacare epiphany. The senator complains about the industry consolidation and price increases caused by Mm. Obamacare. Oh, darn. So one of the most liberal people out there. Well, maybe this is just the the push. You haven't heard any push, have you, for nationalized health care? That hasn't come up this cycle yet. That can't. You know something? Is that dead now because a budget of budget constraints? Be impossible. Probably.
0: Well, what what did we say for years? They were talking about Medicare for all. You can't do part Medicare for some some.
2: seniors. You got to buy your supplemental, and you've been putting in for it. Yeah, when you started working, right?
0: No, I think the closer we get to the, you know, the uh, 2032 or 2033, wherever it's all going to happen with running out of money on Social Security and Medicare, and of course, post spending like crazy out of COVID. You can't bring that up politically. There's no way.
1: is Red Eye Radio.
2: All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Cyber Monday. It's Cyber Monday. This, okay. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I already do every day. Nothing. Cyber. Yeah. Cyber Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday shop. I guess, and, you know, because I don't
0: shop for my grandkids. Most of them, uh, I just consider them to be close friends. You know, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't shop that way. So I'm kind of out of that that age demographic. I, I shop as needed. kind of thing you know what i mean yes
2: i do and
0: christmas to me is not as needed although it can be you can incorporate some things all right they kind of need this all right so we'll do this but i it was so foreign to me the whole black friday thing but then you 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 step back and you realize well wait a minute it's changed drastically from the day when people would line up outside of a store for those under the age of 40, a store (laughs) is a place people would go to buy things. Um, And so then it became okay, but we're going to have our, what they call them door buster sales, you know, pretty much every Friday between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, you look at at black friday and of course shopping online it's all at everybody's you know shopping online you're looking for nobody nobody has time to go anywhere <laughs> sorry nobody has time to go anywhere and it's primarily shopping online so then cyber monday which became an answer to black friday for e retailers and now i i remember over the weekend i followed this guy on on youtube and he puts a bunch of specials up and everything else about, you know, what retailers have on sale. Well, between Black Friday and, and Cyber Monday, there to me, there's really no difference. And you're, you're seeing that. All the retailers are going, okay, you remember that stuff we were selling you on Friday? If you didn't buy it on Friday, you can buy it on Monday. And... There were. I, I didn't even. I don't even get into the point of of looking for things. You know, specific buys anymore because you know there are deals pretty much around year round now. If you look for them, you can find de- deals at, at retailers. But and and again, I started with the premise that I'm really not in that demographic. It's really not me. I'm not shopping for young kids. We don't have young children ourselves. So my wife and I just kind of, we don't have to, we're, we're doing the grandparent thing now. And it's not even a, it's, it's nowhere near as, as bad as it was. I remember <laughs> putting together basketball goals or, you know, whatever we bought for the kids, you know, back in the day. Been there, done that. But the whole shopping part of it has changed for people because my question would be, why would you, unless it was some kind of super, super deal where you had to show up and it was only available in the brick and mortar, then why wouldn't you have them not only buy it online, but they're going to deliver it to your door. They're going to carry it to your porch. Mm Mm-hmm. The older I get, the more of a big deal that is for me. The part where they carry it to your porch.
2: Well, you were the one that first told me you wanted pizza delivery to take it to the right couch. to the
0: couch. To the couch. What do I? I'm not going to eat on the porch.
2: Bring it to me. It doesn't work, though. You made me, though. I, I'm sorry. I'm not paying attention to the show. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Cyber Monday on Amazon, seeing if there's anything. Yeah, I mean, and, look any any deal here i uh, 30% that doesn't mean anything don't tell me 30% 23% off 40% tell me the price well and then the question is
0: is it off retail yeah is it the off the suggested retail or is this lower than it normally is and you have to you have to actually do a little bit, bit of work to find that out and that's what you look for okay, this hasn't been on sale like this in forever. Lowest price ever listed. And Amazon does have some of those um, items. They do track that way. You can see, actually see, all right, this is the lowest price in 30, uh, or it's dropped 30% in 30 days or whatever. But, I mean, it has to be, for me personally, something I'm looking for already, and it has to be a pretty significant deal. If it's something I need and I happen to get it on sale, all right, good. But I'm really wondering what the retail uh, thing is going to look like by the time we get to the end of Christmas. Now, with inflation, yeah, people are going to spend more money. But on the number of items and the types of items, this is when we buy durable goods. And I'm really curious to see how this Christmas season pans out for retailers. Or for consumers, or both.
2: You know, I just came upon. I was just I was looking, and what came up was I don't know why, but you know the uh, uh, lithium ion, you know, portable power stations.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm looking at, and I don't have one yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't do a natural gas one mm-hmm. um, where I live because the houses are too close together. Mm-hmm. So that would be my only choice. Would to do, be do something like that. And if you remember with FreeZola, it wouldn't have mattered anyway because my if I would have had an emergency natural gas generator, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, because yeah, the, you lost
0: gas, natural gas where you
2: were. Well, right? the, it was way down. I never lost heat to the furnace, hmm. but I couldn't light the fireplace. Oh, okay. But the furnace, but yeah. I tried lighting it when the furnace was on. Right. And then I realized it won't light. Don't. But all I just had enough for the furnace and what that was operating on. I don't know. Hmm. But yeah, I'm looking at uh, one of the you know the. 3600 watt hour generators it's normally and it is i've i've always checked the prices on it for the last couple of years mm-hmm. it's always around you know 34 35 3600 mm-hmm. 2399 mm-hmm. so that i mean it's a lot of money it's 2300 but that's one of the the big monster ones it could run everything in your house for right. a while mm-hmm. so well probably not the air conditioning but <laughs> the refrigerator and everything else it could, mm-hmm. it could do but i was just so yeah, that there are some deals out there. And I did some see some real deals in the store the other day. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't need one. I was in one store and it was like, you know, this uh shaving system normally seventy five bucks, you know, thirty-five, that caught my attention. I went, Oh, yeah. Well, that's not bad. Too bad I don't need it. <laughs> right. I almost bought it and said I'll just keep it for future use.
0: When yours goes out.
2: When the other one goes out, but I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I figured, well, I it probably I think it was going to be on sale for a week. Yeah. So because there is no there is no just Black Friday anymore. <laughs> but remember right, you right. and I were working together when it was still insane on Black Friday. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and you know
0: the but what retailers also realize is that, all right, now you got to work around people's budgets. You know, you're going to have to work around the fact that they spend money to travel on Thanksgiving and or Christmas. Uh, they're going to have to spend money on Christmas. So do the Black Friday deals draw enough people in? Or can you spread those deals out to, to you know, to work around their budgets uh, also with a payday involved? I've talked about how in growing up, uh, dad was Air Force. And the December 15th payday was the Christmas tree payday. That's when they bought the Christmas tree. We always put it up on the 15th. And it took me a while. I was an adult before I figured that out. It was always the
2: 15th. But you think one thing I, I don't even think about anymore, but I'm glad you brought it up. In the '60s, when I was a kid, you didn't have, you know, the revolving credit.
0: No, the way no. you had the
2: the way you have no, it today. That's, that's that was but, I really mean,
0: boom boomed really in the '80s, '70s.
2: Because I got my first credit card yeah, in the '70s, right? But it wasn't, you know, you didn't have the kind of credit limits. Well, because
0: the '80s was was the the blossoming of shopping malls. Yeah. and department store credit lines those were different so then all of the because the malls were thriving on that hey we'll give you whatever several hundred dollars in a credit line so you can shop at this department store and that's something that our parents generation didn't know they didn't they they, they didn't grow up with that
2: well, that's what makes it interesting because I'm sure when you say, yeah, we were, you know, you waited till payday in order to get, it's like people now, what are you talking about? Just put on your credit card. Doesn't matter when you get paid. Mm-hmm. Now you got to just make sure you got enough money to pay the minimum payment on the credit card. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the mentality back no. then. No, no, Not no. Not at all. No, no. And, and I, I think about my first credit card that I got $100 credit limit. Yeah. And I worked for the bank. Mm-hmm. $100 credit limit. Yeah. And it's like, you couldn't, you, you can't even fill up your car with your, your truck with yeah. gas for that. Mine was 500 and I
0: still have that card, mm-hmm. and it's still lower. It's now thousands of dollars, but it's still much lower than any of my other credit lines.
2: Uh, mine, my bank, because my first one was with Marine Midland Bank that was a subsidiary of HSBC. Mm-hmm. And it was still a subsidiary of HSBC back in... 74 when i started working at the bank and the reason i got the credit card was because they would they did electronic transfer back then when you mm-hmm. worked at the bank mm-hmm. no nobody else was doing it but they right. put it in your account right and so in order to be able to get it out of your checking account they gave you you know they attached it back then you had you know you could take out of your checking account but they only had credit cards. They didn't have debit cards. Mm. So they gave employees a debit card, mm. which was a credit card. You could use whatever account you wanted, and it was for right. 100 right. bucks. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, wow, okay. But, uh, yeah, so I had one of the first actual ATM well, it cards. A, it was
0: a McNamara that came up with credit cards to begin with. Did you know that?
2: I did not know that.
0: The diners club man by the oh. name of McNamara wow. forgot his wallet at home, then came up with that idea of basically if I look, if I'm out at your establishment and you let, I have this card means you trust me to pay you. And that's where it all began. No, but that's
2: a great, I mean, for the majority of even modern times, mm-hmm. when you, when you look at it, when you, you go, and I will go from, you know, probably nineteen eighty before, people didn't even and even after that, people didn't get close to the type of credit that's available for them today. And it's just so funny because I do remember my parents, well I mean, payday's coming up and we'll get it then. Yeah. You you remember that. Yeah. Nobody talks that way well, today.
0: You know, layaway where you could go and say, Okay, look, I can put these things in the back of the store. Think about that. And put these things in the back of the store. And know that I've done my shopping and then I'll pay on it, you know, with each payday. And then, you know, and my mom did a few things with layaway, but we really didn't buy the Christmas club. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Remember people Christmas club? Mm-hmm. Sure. And the Christmas club accounts.
2: Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. Put your money yeah. in put your money in to save it, to, to save it. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget my father hell with that, I'll invest it. I'm not going to
0: put it in the Christmas Club account. Well, actually, (laughs) it's funny. It's what I call one of my savings accounts still today because it's initially what I set it up for. And it, but I set it up in a savings account to get interest, to build interest throughout the year to help in that regard. But that's the first reason, primary reason I set that savings account up. But I called it a Christmas account. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a Christmas Club account, but that's what I called it. It was dedicated for that at yeah. that time.
2: Well, you I'm sorry, but you that's, I had to expand on it because you brought back the memory when you said, oh, yeah, I mean, when payday came, we got the Christmas tree. I'm like, wow, what a foreign concept that is to anybody yeah. probably under the age of 50.
0: Yeah, and it was always the 15th. And it didn't matter if the 15th fell on a Tuesday or whatever it was. That was the day the dad brought home the tree. That's the day we decorated the tree. And I became an adult before I found out why it was significant, because it
2: was the last payday before Christmas. Eight six six ninety red eye Brought to you by Hotshot Secret.
5: Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. In order to manage speed, you need to understand the four factors involved in stopping a vehicle. Perception distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time you see a hazard until your brain recognizes it. The perception time for an alert driver is approximately three-fourths of a second. Reaction distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time your brain tells your foot to move from the accelerator until your foot hits the brake pedal. The average driver has a reaction time of three-fourths of a second. Brake lag distance also needs to be taken into account. When operating a vehicle with air brakes, it takes about half a second for the mechanical operation to take place. Finally, braking distance is the distance it takes a vehicle to stop once the brakes are applied. Braking distance is affected by the weight, length, and speed of the vehicle, as well as road condition. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com.
1: Lines open for your calls. 866 90 Eye on Red Eye Radio.
2: It's Red Eye Radio, he is Eric Harley, and, uh, and I'm Gary McNamara. A new report, new study finds that blue state residents pay far more for electricity than their red state counterparts. I'm shocked. The report from the American Legislative Exchange Council provides a breakdown of energy prices throughout the United States while demonstrating the relationship between big government policies, and high energy costs. From the report, quote, while some states rely on free market principles and innovation to limit man-made emissions into the atmosphere, others use a more heavy-handed approach by implementing of standards, enacting mandates and price schemes that benefit specific types of technologies. Whether it is a mandate, subsidies, or some combination of both, when the government inserts itself into the energy markets, taxpayers wind up footing the bill. Well, I have only one thing to say to that: Duh! The trend of government mandates being linked to higher electricity prices is evident throughout the uh, evidence. Uh, evident, excuse me, throughout the report. For instance, simply being part of the Renewable Portfolio Standard which dictates that a certain amount of the state's electricity generation must come from renewable sources, pushed up electricity costs, that alone, by 11%. Just just that alone. Overall, the report finds that red states that lack their own green energy mandates or that don't take part in cap-and-trade schemes, systems that limit aggregate emissions from a group of emitters by setting a cap of maximum emissions have the lowest electricity cost. Red states like Idaho, Wyoming, and Utah had the lowest electricity prices. None of them have government mandated RPS or participate in any cap or trade scheme, such as the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, which is a CO2 cap and trade program among 10 states in the mid-Atlantic and northeast regions of the country. Hmm. We'll give you more information on this, just how wide the disparity can be from the most expensive to the least expensive states coming up.
3: Spoken to an attorney. Call our legal experts now. And our American
2: way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to patriotic hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-3485. Call 800-209-3485. 800-209-3485. That's
5: 800-209-3485. Sponsored by Patriotic Arts.
2: That's 800-462-3333. 800-462-3333.
4: Progressive Commercial Insurance protects truck owners with specialized coverages for heavy trucks. Get a quote in as little as five minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com.
1: On your smart speaker, say, play Red Eye Radio. And if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Herney, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, it's interesting because I told you about the uh, the gentleman who was in the seat next to me that uh, when I flew into uh, New York the other day, and he lived in Los Angeles, and, you know, we got into a discussion. He's extremely liberal, and or he said he was li- extremely liberal, I found out he really wasn't as liberal mm. as you thought mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> because he didn't believe in EVs, mm. didn't believe that that we because, you know, I asked him directly. I said, do you believe that? Because I was trying to make the point, you know, talking about things, things that are insane, positions that are insane, because I was trying to get him past the fact that he hated Trump. You know, he hated Trump, hate his personality, whatever. But where did Trump stand on the issues? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then talked about, well, Trump may have a reason to be angry and then went through the setup that Hillary Clinton did on him with Russia collusion, which, again, he pushed back saying, well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if what you're saying is true. And I said, based on what? Do you know what happened? No, he, he did. I said, so right. your argument is you don't know what happened. Go check it out. I said, These, this is something that Hillary is not debating. Well, I haven't heard them talk about it. No, they're ignoring it. They'd like to right. not talk about right. it. Right. They don't wish to talk about it. And, right. Uh, whatever. But when it got got to things like electricity, he said, no, we're not ready for solar vehicles. I said, well, think about it. Biden said that we can run the economy in solar and wind until he got pushed back and said, no, you got to throw nuclear in there. But nobody wants nuclear in their backyard. But his initial statement was "You, we can run everything by solar and wind they were trying to push that until they realized they couldn't now that would cause economic uh energy and national security suicide you know why don't we drill for our own he agreed on all that i go well that's trump's position so energy which is our national security you know you just let that one fly by mm. i mean it's just like you know boom that that doesn't seem that doesn't seem to matter to you the border well, you know, it's like all all these radical positions they hold. When you hit him on it, there were times where he would say, "Like electricity, no, we're not ready for EVs." And yeah, yeah, okay, I, uh, I, I guess no, because I hate Trump. Well, take separate for hating Trump from to where he stands on the issues, to where Democrats stand on the issues, and we went point by point by point by point, but really hit energy hard, and energy he agreed completely. That what they're doing is completely wrong. I go well. That's an imp- energy's important. That's that's whether we uh, that's whether we survive as a nation or we don't. And we're we're asking Biden is begging dictators. I said you just told me when we got into the transgender discussion. I said you just told me that. Well, there are bigger problems aside that we have China. Well, then are you upset with Biden going to for you know foreign dictators, you know demanding? or not demanding, excuse me, not demanding, he doesn't demand, begging that we'll make a deal with them if they release the energy while killing American jobs here and not drilling here. And he goes, well, that's wrong, that's wrong. We should be drilling here. So well, he, he believes we should be drilling like crazy, that we should make it as cheap as possible. When I said you think, as I do, that we should be, even an effort to drill even more so we can completely dominate and control oil prices not by the government but by supply and demand he said yeah mm-hmm. and well, so and, we got through and the whole thing and he goes well i guess i'm not really as liberal as you. i may be liberal on a few things i say yeah but the things you're liberal on you're sort of wishy-washy well too. but if
0: you're voting liberal then you're liberal
2: yeah, exactly right
0: right and and this is what it comes right. down to all of these items are a choice
2: But here it says, outside of Red Alaska and Blue Hawaii, which are uh, geographic outliers and so understandably have the highest electricity costs, the five states with the highest electricity prices are all blue. California, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and New Hampshire. All five states have cap-and-trade schemes and government-mandated RPSs in place. Each of these states has also imposed a state-mandated net metering policy on its utilities, which means you've got to buy the electricity from anybody who gets on the grid. Overall, the difference in electricity cost between the cheapest red states and the most expensive blue states is substantial. The cost of a kilowatt hour in California, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut are more than double what they are in Idaho, Wyoming, and Utah I love this this is great this may be the line of the week hmm. the report states quote there is a strong correlation between big government policies and higher electricity costs what? end of quote what when crafting energy and environmental policies lawmakers should avoid imposing more government controls and instead allow markets to adapt, innovate, and improve.
0: Duh. The goal is not to bring the prices down. In fact, Obama said it. Under my plan of cap and trade, electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket. And the point is is that and he didn't say it specifically then, but it's very simple to to find Democrats over the years saying that we should nationalize energy. Well, in order to do that, you have to force mandates. The costly mandates will then break the traditional forms of energy uh, or drive them out of production in the U.S. And then there's only the government, of course, to take over. What else are you going to do? It's the same approach they tried with health care. They had to hit the brakes on that, at least for now. They'll come back at it. I'm confident at some point they can't do it right now, but they would love to break the back of oil and natural gas and then take it over and nationalize energy completely.
2: Then with the push, as we see, to get rid of natural gas from Democrats, we know about New York and how Biden's pushing that. Mm -hmm. A recent report from the U.S. Energy Information Administration that's the energy department, that's Mm -hmm. Biden's energy department, just so you know, found that the cost of heating a home this coming winter using natural gas is going to be roughly 40% lower than using electricity. Households using electricity to heat homes are projected to pay $1,063 on average between November and March, according to the November 7th Winter Fuels Outlook report by the energy department. By contrast, households using natural gas are only expected to fork over $601. The stark findings come as the Biden administration ramps up its war on gas appliances, including furnaces, while touting electrically powered alternatives, such as heat pumps, all in the name of fighting climate change. Mm -hmm. Recently, the Department of Energy announced that President Joe Biden will use emergency wartime powers to boost US production of electric heat pumps as his administration continues to push uh to replace furnaces that run on natural gas yeah. and heating oil. Well there you go. Look, uh, it, it, no surprise and and don't if you're a democrat don't get angry because as we just said and Eric just pointed out again, uh it was President Obama who said that's our goal. Yep. The goal was to skyrocket mm-hmm is to skyrocket electricity prices. You don't have to look and go, you guys are, Obama said it.
0: And an Obama uh, official back when one of the court cases actually went in favor of the coal industry was asked, well, do you feel defeated now? And their response was no. They've already converted. They've already had to spend billions and billions and billions of dollars on the conversion. This court case doesn't mean anything. They're not going to spend billions and billions and billions to go back. They don't No, They don't even hide this from anybody. But if you're not willing to look at it. You will be in the dark and maybe
2: quite Literally. By the way, I'm reading this from Politico from 2012. Uttered in 2008, still haunting Obama. Here's one line that President Barack Obama might want to rewind. Mm-hmm. Quote, under my plan, electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket. Yep. That quip from, I love a quip, as if it wasn't a, no, a, it was, a statement. Right. Like he, s-
0: like he said it in passing, right? right. Like he was saying, ah, right. under my plan. Like he was, you know, at the bar with his
2: buddies. No. Uh, from a January 2008 interview with the San Francisco Chronicle editorial board is making rounds in conservative circles. This was in 2012, <laughs> four years yeah, out. Right. But, but, yeah. but that was, it. he doesn't want to take, he would not want to take it back. The only reason he want to take it back is because he didn't want to tell the American public the truth. He was telling the American public what the plan was mm-hmm. because it had to be that. And he laid right. it out. Right. You've got to skyrocket electricity prices in order to make it where Wind and solar, look, then, comparative. look yeah. com- comparatively speaking, mm-hmm. are the same. So you've got to skyrocket the cost of it yep. through regulation, mandate, decreasing supply. It's the only way to get In there. order to do it. I mean, uh, he laid it out, and now they're, I love it, when they get caught, you know, in 2012, Politico, a liberal organization. Hey, you might want to take that back. It was just a quip. No. No. That's the liberals' plan. That was his
0: plan, yes. and he lined it out.
2: Very intently. And let me—they go. The quote from January 2008 from an interview with the San Francisco Chronicle editorial board is making uh-huh. its round it rounds in conservative circles. Even Mitt Romney referred to it last month, and it likely won't go away anytime soon. A quote, and this is a quote from Politico, mm-hmm. as we know. Well, we play the audio actually many times. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants to build a coal-fired power plant, they can. It's just that it will bankrupt them. Obama said responding to a question about his cap-and-trade plan, Mm -hmm. under my plan, electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket, end of quote. Mm -hmm. Yep. Remember remember the caller one time? He
0: never said that. He never said that. that. He never said that. So we got the audio and played it. I wonder how many liberals. Well, think about this. Uh, If you're a liberal under the age of 40, you probably don't know that he said that. No, you don't. You probably don't know that that was the entire goal and why. Look, they're not going to come out and say it as a. And by the way, it's no coincidence here. The article from Politico is 2012 because he was up for re-election at that point. And it was, well, he might want to take that back because it might not serve him in reelection. Yeah, well. Mitt Romney ran, ran against him and pretty much sealed the deal. So, <laughs> thanks, Mitt. And you look, but you look at that and you go back over the
2: years and that's 15 years ago. And then in 2014, Investor's Business Daily, <laughs> energy cost rise, a pledge Obama, unfortunately, mm-hmm. kept. Yeah. Right. Well no, I mean it was always going to be the case
0: and it became very evident. You know how? We know that because electricity rates skyrocket.
2: This is even great politifact then when is this? Let me I just clicked on it now. <laughs> okay, uh this would have been goes back to June 11, 2009 politifact. Mm-hmm. Mike Pence contends that President Obama literally said if his cap and trade proposals were to pass the utility rates would necessarily skyrocket. All right. The claim from Politifact. Remember, they would do anything they possibly could to defend liberalism. True. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't say it wasn't because he said it. 86690 red eye
1: We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Hurley and Gary McNamara.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. And for those of you who don't believe us...
4: Under my plan... Uh, of a cap and trade system Electricity rates Would necessarily skyrocket
2: There you go uh, Now cap and trade's gone Replaced by mandates The same thing right. though it's Once the same he goal. got into office
0: right. It became clear He didn't need Congress To get a cap and trade type policy in place He could do it administratively And he did so